Welcome to the podcast History MKE, where we bring you the best stories from Milwaukee's history. Today's episode is about the Becker Fitch House, which is located on the east side of Milwaukee. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is one of the craziest houses with one of the most interesting stories in all of Milwaukee. What was once one enormous house or mansion is now two relatively newer and smaller houses. One of the houses is relatively, quote-unquote, normal. Uh, It was built in the 1960s and honestly looks like it could be something uh, that was built anywhere in Milwaukee or especially in one of its surrounding suburbs. The other house can definitely not be described as normal by any means. It's perched on the bluff overlooking Lincoln Memorial Drive. And the house itself extends five stories all the way down to the base of the bluff. Do you know what house I'm talking about, Tim? Um, I think this is the one where if you're walking north along the lake, that it's the one on the left that's got kind of this weird, desolate backyard. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So if you're in between the Collectivo Coffee on the lake and Bradford Beach, it's right in the middle between those. It's just a little bit south of Villa Terrace. And yeah, it has a a fenced-in yard. And it's, it's just like decrepit old it, chain link fence, it's, right? Um, we'll call it overgrown. It's a little bit overgrown, okay? Um, yeah. So the house is known by us history nerds as um, the Becker Fitch House. And it's it's located on East Back Bay, and it's uh, which is just east of Terrace Avenue and is directly across the street from Back Bay Park up on the top of the bluff. So the story of the house begins in 1895, when the original house was built for a fellow named William Becker. Becker was an immigrant from Germany, and he made his fortune here in Milwaukee in the leather business. The original house itself was an enormous French chateau design. It featured thick stone walls, massive turrets and gables, soaring chimneys, and an imposing hip tile roof. If you didn't know it was in Milwaukee, you probably would have mistaken it for an actual French castle. Was the leather business really big in that time? Actually, the leather business was huge in Milwaukee. Um, By around the time that Mr. Becker was making his money, Milwaukee was actually the largest uh, producer of tanned leather on the planet. And um, actually, that might be a good idea for a future episode. So... Below the house and at the base of the bluff, Mr. Becker had his horse stables as well as a greenhouse conservatory. It's also where he indulged in his hobby. Mr. Becker, you could say, was passionate about poultry. In fact, in 1897, he spent over $20,000 constructing what the Milwaukee Sentinel would describe as, quote, one of the best appointed poultry houses in the country. And in case you're wondering, in 1897... Uh, he spent $20,000. That's equivalent to about $625,000 today. I hope you're going to explain what a poultry house is. It, 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 it's, it's a really, really expensive chicken coop. With thousands of chickens? I don't know how big it was. Did he just love but... eating chicken? Was there any kind of logic? I, I, he probably raised exotic birds. Anyway, that's Mr. Becker. Uh, he sold the house in 1915 to a man named Albert Erling. At the time, Erling was the president of the Milwaukee Road Railroad, and the house was essentially a wedding present to his daughter, Harriet, and her banker, industrialist husband, Lawrence Fitch. 
Harriet was raised in Milwaukee's high society at the turn of the century. She was sent to finishing school in Germany to learn life's essential social graces. While in Europe, it's said that she fancied marrying a baron. However, her father instructed her to return to Milwaukee. Harriet was, to put it mildly, not impressed with the massive Victorian-era mansion. She wanted something more modern and designed specifically for entertaining. Well, she was in luck. Uh, Daddy just happened to have an architect friend named Herman Beming. So in 1916, it was out with the horses, out with the greenhouse, and out with the chickens to make way for an addition to the east side of the mansion. Today, that addition is the southernmost part of the house right along the bluff. Then, in 1922, the Fitches and the Bemings were on a cruise from Key West, Florida to Havana, Cuba, as one does in 1922, and it was on this trip that the idea for a second edition with even more spaces for entertaining was hatched. This 1923 edition, done by architects Beming and Alexander Guth, featured several elegant and unique rooms. One such room was the Belton Room. Mr. and Mrs. Fitch purchased what they were, they traveled to England and they purchased all of the interior paneling and woodwork from a room in the 17th century Belton House in London, England, which they had reinstalled in their Back Bay edition. Belton House had belonged to the mistress of King Charles II, Miss Countess Castlemaine. Uh, the room was considered complete when a friend of Mrs. Fitch gave the couple a portrait of the Countess to hang in the room. At parties, the room was for the ladies to withdraw as the men finished their cigars and brandy in the dining room. Another extravagant room was the tent room, which could seat a hundred for formal dinners or for dances. The room had billowing fabric draped from the ceiling and walls that gave the look and feel that you were inside a lavish Middle Eastern tent. Another feature of the addition was the outdoor dancing pavilion that was on top of the addition and could accommodate 200 people as they danced in the moonlight along the shore of Lake Michigan. But what has to be the wildest and most interesting feature of the 1923 edition was the tavern room. It was a two-story replica of a 17th century Irish public house. It featured heavy wooden timbers, a massive stone fireplace, plaster walls, wooden balconies with gaming tables, an organ loft, a long oak dining table, a flagstone floor, and of course, a full bar. Access to the room was either through a small door to the rear of the house or from a hidden spiral staircase that extended from behind a French tapestry in the Belton room above. So there's actually a really good YouTube video that we're going to link on the website um, that actually walks you through this entire area. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so all these rooms, were they used, she's a big entertainer. These are all used actively while she's living there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she had this thing built in 1923, and she used them for the rest of her life. Um, and because the the addition was built during the time of Prohibition, the, the blueprints for the tavern room say uh, den instead of tavern. Um, also, the room came equipped with a shortwave radio to keep in direct contact with bootleggers in speedboats out on the lake. They would deliver the necessary alcoholic beverages for entertaining directly to the house. Remember, back in the early 1920s, 
Lake Mich- the Lake Michigan shoreline came right up to the rear of the house. So the entire area now where you walk along the, the lake front and you see that, that none of that was there. That was yeah, all built up. Yeah, there. yeah, all of that, like everything you like from north of the Collectivo um, uh, coffee, that was all done either later in the 20s or in the 30s. It was all landfill uh, to add McKinley Beach and uh, Lincoln Memorial Drive and um, Bradford Beach as well. Did they ever get raided? Well, uh, there was there was plans in case they got raided, uh, and that was that involved the organ loft. Um, I've been told that in case the house was ever raided by prohibition agents during a party, the guests were to ditch their booze, and the organ player would start playing religious hymnals. Mrs. Fitch would explain to the lawmen that she was simply hosting a revival meeting, and that they were invited to stay and sing along. Now, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think they were ever actually raided. I mean, this was this was high society, and I find it highly unlikely that the few prohibition agents that were assigned uh, would actually raid someone like the Fitches. So the tavern room originally also had a three-tier wrought iron chandelier that hung from the rafters. Uh, that was designed by the famous metal worker Cyril Kolnick. It also had fireplace andirons and lanterns designed by Kolnick as well. And those are now in the collection of Villa Terrace, just a couple doors uh, down the bluff. So, needless to say, with the 1916 and the 1923 editions, the Fitches had the ideal home for entertaining the elite of Milwaukee society. Unfortunately for Mr. Fitch, however, he didn't have much time to enjoy it. He died in 1924. Then, in 1927, Mrs. Fitch married her second husband, an attorney named Frederick Frederick Thwaites, uh, and together they continued the tradition of being Milwaukee's finest hosts and entertainers. Now, I'm not exactly sure what happened to Mr. Thwaites, but Mrs. Fitch married her third husband, Walter Drake, in 1947. Is there any possible connection or suggestion that she might be killing her husbands? That, I'm not even not even going to go there. That makes that a lot more exciting. That that would, but why don't we stick to what we know? Um, I'm also not sure if this is true or not, but I'm told that Harriet once said, quote, I never made the mistake of marrying a man without money. Not sure if it's true, but it makes for a good story. Anyway, Mrs. Erling Fitch Thwaites Drake lived for the rest of her life as the grand dame of Milwaukee society. She continued entertaining until she died in 1962 at the age of 82. The following year, according to her wishes, the furnishings of the house were auctioned off and shortly after the, quote, ugly old Victoria-era mansion that she told her father that she never liked was torn down. So, the graystone house with the red tile roof you see today was built on top of the 1916 and the 1923 editions. And the red brick house next to it, which was built in the 1960s, is where the original French Chateau-style mansion once stood. So, to continue the story, the current owner of the house tells a tale about how she was on a sailboat on Lake Michigan in 1960. While on the boat, she saw this bizarre house rising what looked like 10 stories from the base of the bluff. At the time, she thought it was astounding. Much to her surprise, two years later, when she was dating her future husband, he said that he'd like, her to, he'd like to introduce her to his grandmother. Well, she almost fell out of the car when they drove up to the front of this house. Here was that same bizarre house, 
and the grandmother was Harriet. And as if everything else we've talked about today wasn't enough, there still remains the subject of the yellow giraffe in the backyard. Yeah, that's the other thing I remember seeing about this is it was that weird old fence, the completely overgrown backyard, this huge house, and I remember there was some weird ornament. Yeah, there's like so there's like cyclone fencing around the house, uh, around the perimeter of their property, and then in the middle is this yellow giraffe. Um so the owner says that she and her husband bought the giraffe around 1969 or 1970 for their very small children to play on. The kids enjoyed the giraffe for about a decade, but as kids do, they grew up and moved away. But the yellow giraffe remained. At one point, she wanted to donate the giraffe to Back Bay Park across the street, but the gift was not accepted because it doesn't meet current code as a safe place structure for children anymore. So as of today, we're not exactly sure what the future holds for the yellow giraffe. Okay, to wrap things up, if you ever happen to find yourself on a tour of Milwaukee's North Point mansions, and the owner of the Greystone house with the red tile roof at the very end of Back Bay happens to be in her yard, she just might invite you in to see the tavern room. It has happened before. And that's our story for today. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you heard, please hit subscribe. Next time, we talk about the Lady Elgin, which starts with the Underground Railroad, moves through the Supreme Court, and ends with the largest loss of life on the Great Lakes. I hope you'll join us then.